Good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. My program host, Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman. The Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program is designed for someone just like me. There's a lot I don't understand. And it doesn't have to be soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. And I find that rather getting into a deep chapter and verse theological discussion, sometimes a casual front porch style talk with the pastors, the best way to understand it. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Lance O'Donnell from St. Paul Lutheran Church in Akamanawak. I hope I pronounced it right this time, Pastor, in Wisconsin. And I have my questions, and I'm sure that you've got yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org or call in during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, you could call us at 314 821 or toll-free anywhere in North America, one 800 730-2727. Well, Pastor, did I get the name of your town right? Uh, you're closer. Uh, Oconomowoc. Oconomowoc. You got it. All right. Try saying that three times fast. Okay. Well, you know, here's what's on my mind today. Sure. You know what's happening next Wednesday? Yes. Aha. 501 years ago. <laughs> Martin Luther pounded on the chapel door. Oh, I thought you were talking about kids that were going to come to my door asking for candy. Well, that one is well, because we've got, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about about that day. You know, Luther wasn't fixing the door. He was fixing the theology. Right. Yeah. But a couple of things about that I've been curious about. Um, why did he choose that particular date? It's a great question. Um, the next day is All Saints Day. And the day that the church remembers those who have died, it was a significant time for pilgrimages um, to see various relics and so on and so forth. And there were going to be a lot of people in town. And as you know, uh, Luther had some issues with things going on related to uh, relics and indulgence, indulgences in particular, and so uh, he decided to have a little debate and put an advertisement up about it. And uh, so what we know is that now November the 1st is All Saints Day. Right. And I think uh, Halloween, as we call it now, that was actually referred to as uh, All Saints Eve. Yeah, All Saints Eve, or in the English, Old English, All Hallows Eve. Yeah. All Hallows Eve, which has then been shortened to Halloween in our in our day and age. Right. Uh, now, Halloween is actually has something of a, a significance, not just with Christian theology, but with pagan theology as well. That's my understanding. I mean, this is by no means my area of doctoral expertise, but my understanding is is there there are some there was there was some or, origin here related to pagan festivals where, you know, the Day of the Dead or a celebration of the dead or something like that, and as often happened in Christian missions, they would try and co-opt existing religious things and, and Christianize them. And I, I think that's what happened, appears to have happened here. And, uh, you know, I, I think my understanding is that uh, according to paganism, the idea being that 
on Halloween. That is the time where there is the weakest wall between the living and the dead. And supposedly the other world sometimes comes in. That's why we, we have the spooks and goblins and things that supposedly come by on Halloween. Sure. So that raises the question, why are we bribing these ghosts and goblins with candy? <laughs> what does trick or treat actually mean? Oh, so are you, should we practice Halloween? Well, that's another question, because I know there was some quit, some uh, some Christian groups do not uh, believe in celebrating Halloween. Yeah, and, uh, you know, right, if you're, if you're, re- I mean, I, I think this is a matter of Christian freedom. Um but if you're one of those that's really, you, you're so offended by anything that is even has some kind of taint of of some pagan history, then you know then then I would tell you to avoid it. But you know it doesn't necess, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with that. It can be just a bunch of people enjoying uh, putting on costumes and so forth and that's I, I mean that that may be that may be uh offensive to some people but i think you just have to examine your conscience and see whether you can do that or not i've never heard of a lutheran body condemning halloween as the way we celebrate it as kind of a fun thing for kids uh i know others do uh i'm sure that you may have been following the case of uh jack phillips of masterpiece cake house out absolutely in cake shop yeah. and one of the things he won't do is make a, a halloween cake okay so and i guess i would say all right if, you know, you're, you're free to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I some would argue, otherwise, maybe maybe somebody's going to sue him and say, if you won't make your Halloween cake, then I'm going to take you to court. Um, yeah. Well, he's he's been taking... That would be silly. <laughs> you know, well, you know, they've actually gone after him again. I understand that. Uh, well, what's happened is that uh, the day the uh, Supreme Court decided to hear his case... Uh, an activist attorney called him and wanted him to make a cake that was uh, pink on the inside and blue on the outside, celebrating that particular attorney's transition from one gender to another. And the same attorney then later called and wanted him to make a cake uh, uh, with, a, with a satanic message to it. And, uh, of course, when he refused, the uh, guy <laughs> immediately complained to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. And the Colorado Civil Rights Commission then jumped down on uh, on our good friend Jack Phillips again. But Jack's fighting back. He's filing a personal suit against the commission and against one of the commissioners specifically. And uh, so that's being... We'll see how that plays out. It's, it's going to be a very interesting case, no matter how it handles. But Yeah. I mean, it comes up differently than... You know, I'm I'm by no means a lawyer, but you know it, it just that it's it it strikes me as fascism when you're dealing with an artist. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that you're trying to force an artist to do something against his or her conscience. Yeah, they'll have a mighty time. Yeah, I understand. Pardon my my bad German accent. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, one thing I did want to share with you. Um, is you know Halloween can be a really fun time. Sure. I mean, I loved it as a kid, and I, mean, I still have fun. I mean, this is a good time to get party with friends and be silly, dressed up in silly costumes. My wife has this wonderful witch costume she wears. Uh, but <laughs> I remember the best Halloween, and I remember 
Uh, this was back, I'm going to say it's the late 50s, maybe early 60s. And this was a stunt my dad pulled. Now, <clears throat> dad had this deep, booming voice. He was a TV news anchor here in St. Louis. And uh, his voice makes me sound like a falsetto with a lisp. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, he, oh, what are those voices? And dad had, we, we had this house that had an intercom system including a speaker outside by the front door. Dad somewhere came up with this hideous, hideous mask. Uh, I don't know if it was a Polynesian war mask or if it was a Aztec mask. It was just terrible. It was really horrible. And he hung it over the outdoor speaker. Oh, my. Then the kitties came by. And then the fun began. That's rotten. <laughs> it gets better. Oh. Ding dong. Dad had run to the to the uh, intercom. Yes. <laughs> Trick or treat. Trick or treat. <laughs> if I give you candy, will you give me the fat one? <laughs> Oh, my. So I, I hope he then took the mask off or went out there and smiled at the kids. <laughs> those who those who didn't run away. My mother was there. And she, and she would go out and give the kids candy. Dad pulled that um, two or three times. Mother finally made him stop. She was afraid the neighbors were going to be coming with pitchforks and torches. Right, yeah. What are you doing, man? And all the kids. But I'll never forget that Halloween. That was one of the funniest things I ever saw. Oh. <laughs> My dad had a wicked sense of humor sometimes. Apparently. <laughs> Gosh, I shall still chuckle about that. I, I made my own kind of, if I, pilgrimage oh. on this. That, you know, I remember when I first came back to the church, and again, you know, you and I have talked about this on a yeah. couple of occasions before. You know, when I left, when I left the church and when I was interested in, coming back to God, I first wasn't going to be a Christian, so I experimented with the occult a little bit. Ooh. And and then when, you know, the Lord brought me back into the church, and I realized what I had been playing with, uh, I really, really ran hard the other direction. And... You know, so I had a hard time doing Halloween for the first couple of years. I just, I couldn't, I, it was hard for me to separate the fantasy from the reality type of thing. Mm. And, you know, since, you know, since that, since that time, you know, I, I still don't, for me personally, you know, I don't like the, you know, I don't like some of the costumes that, the, the ghosts and goblins stuff. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think you have Chris, I think you have some Christian freedom here. I just, my, yeah. you know, it's, it, you know, for, it's kind of, it, it's kind of like the Harry Potter thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you can, you can enjoy Harry Potter as literature. And, you know, there are some universal themes there in the even, even, to some degree, some Christian themes, but you know, if you start actually playing with magic, trying to conjure up and do the divination and stuff, well, you have crossed the line 
as a Christian. Oh, I agree with that completely. Um, you know, for one thing, I back when I was in college, uh, a group of us were fooling around with a Ouija board. Yeah, it's pretty dumb, by the way. I will never, ever touch one of those again. Ever. Had a very scary experience with it. Yeah, and and why? So why is that? Why is that dumb? Playing with the Ouija board since we're there. It, it was just kind of a fun thing. I don't think anybody really believed anything was going to happen. Uh, but you know, it was it was at party. We it was a party, and somebody pulled out this Ouija board, and we thought, "Oh, yeah, that's a Ouija board." I should say, "Oh, yeah, that's it." Uh, but as I said, it's something happened. I can't explain it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you're trying to conjure up the dead, yeah. and that's one of those things that is explicitly forbidden. Yeah. For God's people. Yeah. So yeah, you're playing. You're playing with. You're playing with demonic demonic forces there, and. That's not something that uh, Christian people should play around with. And you know, that's something that's, that's kind of passed by the wayside, I think, in today's church. Uh, is we have to understand and realize that d- demonic events are real. For sure. And I think a lot of people just don't really believe that anymore. Well... And- yeah, I mean, I would agree with you, or people tend to poo-poo it. I think anybody who's traveled abroad and witnessed some things going on in other countries would not uh, poo-poo it so much. Um, but I think anybody who, you know, dares to open their New Testament, for example, I mean, you think I think of that passage um, about, you know, the armor of God, Mm-hmm. In Ephesians chapter 6, right, where Paul says, this is verse 10 and following, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. So, you know, we... Demonic activity is real, and it's not something you ought to play with. It's, you know, it's, it's why I'm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I love, I love dressing up in costumes, and I love kids in costumes, but, you know, the, the demon costume... Yeah. You know, I don't know if you want to play around with that, but, you know... You just got. You just got to be careful. Well, I've had um, a thought that you know, with with it being kind of a fun event for kids, uh, it, it's almost like we're laughing at the devil. Yeah, it can be right, yeah. and it, that can you know, it's kind of that. That would be a very Lutheran thing to do, wouldn't it, Kip? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, devil! Death is conquered. So I'm going to wear the I'm going to wear the death costume and laugh at you the whole way. That sounds like something Luther would do. Yeah, that that's the way I I, I tend to look at it. Um, you know, I see your point, and uh, the older I get, the more convinced I am of the demonic world. Sure. Uh, I wasn't always well. Then again, as I said, I had that one 
experience when I was a young man. And uh, right, and again, and I played around with that stuff, but you know, but it can be, you know, I don't want to, right? It can be a lot of fun. I mean, we are, we're, you know, we're having a laugh at my house. My youngest son is eleven, and he is. Um, he was born in Guatemala. He's a full-blooded, full-blooded Mayan Indian, and he and he and his, you know, pasty white buddy, <laughs> are going to go as Napoleon Dynamite and Pedro um, <laughs> for Halloween. And that's not something that's something they came up with, which I think is really, you know, it's really kind of funny. And <laughs> you know, my my little my little man, I remember. So we brought him, we brought him home. The adoption was finalized when he was 15 months old. Mm. We brought him home in early September. And so the next month, we went out for trick-or-treating with he and his three older siblings. And so, you know, we dressed him as a sheep. We put him in a, in a white sweater and, and glued cotton balls to it and gave him some sheep ears. And, you know, he was all he'd ever heard was Spanish for the first 15 months of his life. And now all these he's being carried around at night and all this this strange language is going on. But about it was so great about the third or fourth house, he figured out that when he pressed a button on somebody's door and smiled, people gave him candy. And you could see his countenance turn from being freaked out to oh my, this is a great country. <laughs> right? It was just, it, he was, you know, he was afraid at first, and all of a sudden people smile. I ring the doorbell, I, and people smile at me and give me candy. This is great. <laughs> There's a Christian lesson there. <laughs> right. Yeah. We push God's doorbell, and he gives us candy. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, you can you can have fun. And we're going, you know, my, my, uh, my, my teenagers... You know, my older two are off in college now, but we, you know, we did this as a family all the way through when they were in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, we we never we never did what we were going to do one year. We never did what we said we were going to do is dress the little guy up as the Holy Grail, and the rest of us were going to be Monty Python people and chase him around. <laughs> that would have been a lot of fun. We never got to it. Well, at least you didn't do. Uh... <laughs> That was one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. At least you didn't do the Life of Brian. No, no, we didn't. No, we didn't do that. No, I always we we have laughed for years thinking that would have been a fun Halloween is to dress dress the little guy up as the Holy Grail and then chase him around with coconuts and stuff. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> I pity people who missed the the Monty Python. Uh, <laughs> Grace, you know, I was uh, searching over uh, Netflix the other day. And of all things, I found the uh, Monty Python series, the original series. Oh well, so I'm uh, I'm going through it right now. Good for you. I mean, that was some good laughs. Oh gee, it was just some, sometimes sometimes a little uh, for those of you who have delicate consciences. Uh, yeah, difficult to handle. But if you can. <laughs> Some of the stuff, but if you can handle it, it's pretty funny. <laughs> do you remember the Spanish Inquisition gig yeah, that they used to do? Maybe. <laughs> well, I didn't expect the bloody Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects a Spanish. <laughs> oh, I love the absurd. I really. So are do. you going to go out? Are you going to go out and dress up as Halloween or hand out kids, candy uh, to kids and stuff? I'm probably just going to be giving him the candy. I'm still. Uh, I've got this idea. Uh, 
I, what I want to do is take take a big light, and I want to put a red screen on it, and then black it out the side so it looks like the, there's this, this pupil of a cat or whatever it is, this big eye staring out f- from the from the from the door. Is this like a Lord of the Rings thing? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, uh, I wish that I could say that was my original idea, but I actually saw it uh, some years ago. Uh, some guy had had put two of them up in his tree. And it was like, oh, I. There's this giant something in the tree. You know, oh, brother. <laughs> uh, but I think that'd be a lot of fun. You know, it depends on your audience. I mean, I would. I mean, I'm as a guy who's youngest child is 11 and who goes out with really younger kids. I, yeah. You know, I mean, if you're having a party for high schoolers, for example, or college kids, I think you, you can, you can do some things oh, yeah. that you, that you maybe shouldn't do at your front door. Uh, you know, your mother probably won that argument with your father for good reason. <laughs> yes. For example, <laughs> Um, you know, you probably shouldn't scare the pants off you, the four-year-old that comes to your door. Um, Why not? It's fun. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not sorry. fun for the four-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, a couple of uh, couple of years ago, you know, my wife has got uh, some grandkids who live in the area. And uh, so we had a, a little party for them over at our house. And everybody was dressed up in costumes. And we had uh, uh, punch with dry ice in it, you know, in the... The, the the foaming the the uh, smoke coming out of the the uh, like a kettle, and that was fun. I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah, it you know it's um, I mean it can be fun. Unfortunately, it's 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 so utterly secular secularized in our culture that some of the big things that went on, uh, you know, get get cast aside, mm. and. You know, All Saints Day. All Saints Day for me. I mean, I, I just think about the the days of the church year that are the most emotionally significant for me. Yeah. Uh, and this may seem a this may seem a little b- bizarre to you, but the the ones that really that really get me, you know, where I kind of feel it in my gut, are uh, Good Friday. Yeah, me too. All Saints Day, um, probably Easter Sunday. You know, Christmas is has a you know different family connotations, but um, you know, a lot a lot of people don't observe the All Saints thing so much. I mean, we observe Reformation one Sunday at St. Paul's, and then and then transfer the observance of All Saints to the following Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, All Saint All Saints is a day for us. As, as Lutherans, where we remember those, in particular, those who have died in the faith. And in, in my parish, and in many that I know of, we, we ring bells and remember those in our parish who died in the previous year mm. and graduated to the Church triumphant with Christ. And every year that's always a cause for me to remember, for example, my father. Oh. Okay, and and so it is. That's you know, and 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 the teaching that I received uh, when I was at the seminary that I have come to so appreciate that as we sing in the liturgy that when we when we commune with God, 
we commune not just with God, but with angels and archangels and with the whole company of heaven. And and so that you know when we when we commune, that's that's wor- that's there's worship going on in heaven and on earth. And so in a sense, we commune with those who've gone before us. All Saints Day is always very emotional for me in that regard, in in ways that other Sundays aren't. I hadn't thought of that. You know, I, I you know I agreed with you know Reformation Sunday and and uh, Good Good Friday and Easter, but I really hadn't thought about that in terms of All Saints Days. Uh, you know, we we do at you know at St. Paul's in other churches. I know we you know we go through the list of the funerals we've done in in the in the you know up to the since the last All Saints Day at at some point in the service you're neither at the beginning or sometimes I do this at the beginning of the sermon uh, we toll we, we name the name hmm. and we toll the bell um, and pause that's a great tradition it is a great it is a great tradition and you know we let the families know that we're going to do that for a lot of you know for a lot of families you know some of them are not regular churchgoers but we'll often see people there because we're going to remember their, you know, mother, father, son, daughter, whomever. Um, but it is, it is a great tradition. So, you know, and we ring that bell and the whole community hears it. We wow. name the name, we ring the bell. Um, it is it is a solemn moment for us and and yet also a very hopeful one. You know, because it's about, ultimately, it's about remembering God's promises. Absolutely. Well, we got a lot to ponder here, Pastor. I'm going to take a little break. Sure. And then we got some more to talk about. i got another couple of things on my mind. Absolutely. And we'll be right back. On Sunday mornings, Worldwide KFUO has been broadcasting live worship services for those unable to attend worship or for those who enjoy hearing God's Word. This Sunday, our 8 a.m. worship comes from Blessed Savior Lutheran Church in Florissant, Missouri, with presiding pastor Reverend Matt Rogland. Our 10.30 worship comes from Beautiful Savior Lutheran Church in Bridgeton, Missouri, with presiding pastor Reverend David Brecher. Join us on Sunday mornings on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. 
Listening to KFUO on your smartphone is so easy to do. Smartphone assistant, play KFUO. Playing KFUO radio. You can also visit the place where you get your apps and download the KFUO app. You can also go to the KFUO homepage. Wow, the KFUO homepage is customized to fit your phone with an easy-to-find listening button. When you're on the webpage, you can browse for more information. You can listen to KFUO 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Don't forget about Facebook, Facebook.com slash KFUO radio. Now you're just acting like a know it all. Our theme for Issues Etc. Reformation Week, Paths to Lutheranism, continues Friday. We'll discuss from Eastern Orthodoxy to Lutheranism with Andrew Strickland. We'll talk with Pastor Peter Bender about the Second Commandment and Daniel in the Lion's Den, and we'll play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcoming you to Game 4 in the 108th World Series. The 2012 World Series. The San Francisco Giants in Game 4 against the Detroit Tigers. In the bottom of the 8th inning, Giants middle reliever Jeremy Affelt took the mound with the game tied, staring down three of Detroit's most lethal hitters. San Francisco won the game and the World Series. Jeremy Affelt was one of the most reliable middle reliever pitchers in World Series history, playing 51 games. At his retirement ceremony in 2015, he honored two of his teammates, invoking Proverbs 18.24. I believe that there are friends that are closer than brothers. Not so unusual for a guy on whose forearm tattoo are the words solus Christus, Latin for Christ alone, words of Jesus in John 14.6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Today's guest pastor is Pastor Lance O'Donnell of Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. And we are talking about, oh, everything from demonic possession to the meaning of Halloween to <laughs> swapping some stories of some old Halloween stories and uh, things along that line. If you want to join in the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, call us at the St. Louis area at area code 314-821-0850 or anywhere in North America, toll free at 1-800-730-2727. What about how we celebrate other other events that are not necessarily church related? Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking at, at as you say, you look at the calendar. You know, what are your favorite holidays? And actually, my favorite holiday has always been Thanksgiving. Okay, which I don't think is an official church holiday. Not really. I mean, it's kind of sort of a a harvest. It's a harvest festival. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the good gravy, the the scriptures are full of harvest festivals, so they're pretty significant. Yeah, and we have a great, uh, a great uh, potluck here at the IC on Thanksgiving, or going oh, into Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. So uh, you know, we obviously celebrated here. Uh, so why, why, you know, I mean, you think about your favorite. I mean, you're talking about non-church holiday. Yeah, as it were. Why Thanksgiving? Well, for me, it was always a family event. Sure. Uh, I remember, you know, as growing up, uh, we had. I still had some uh, some distant relatives who lived in southern Illinois, and they'd all get together at our house in St. Louis, and I especially my great-aunt Nina. Boy, i got to tell you, my great-aunt Nina was incredible. She forgot more about cooking than Wolfgang Puck would ever know. <laughs> and, 
and she would come into the house over the Thanksgiving holidays. And my mother, who was neither a good cook nor enjoyed cooking, uh, would be exiled from the kitchen while Anna took over. And she didn't mind that. Your oh, mom. good no! My mother was delighted. <laughs> and Aunt Nina, she was in her, she was in her, uh, her element of that. Uh, I mean, she used to make rhubarb pie. I remember that she'd actually harvest wild rhubarb, and she made this marvelous rhubarb pie. And uh, when I was in college, uh, sometimes she would send me uh, these care packages. And <laughs> I remember whenever they were delivered to the to the fraternity house, and the return address on that would be uh, uh, Nina Rupert. You know, all the guys would gather because they knew. They knew the good stuff was coming <laughs> and, for you. Uh, but I always remember that. It was such a wonderful, warm holiday. I mean, we would all sit together. Uh, everybody would get together from the family, and you know, even more so than at Christmas. And it was just a, a wonderful, loving, warm gathering and uh, I just loved it. Yep, I agree. Another uh, thing uh, uh, Dad did, um, he was on, um, had gone on a tour of uh, Radio Free Europe back in the early 50s. And he made a stop in, uh, I believe it was in uh, Denmark, where he picked up a taste for Akavit. What's that? <laughs> Danish napalm. <laughs> so Denmark is not a great power today. or what? Uh, it's a liqueur. It's a oh, liqueur. Okay. Uh, uh, tastes like anise or licorice a little bit. Okay. Very clear liquor, very fiery. Uh, and the only times we would ever drink it would be on uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving. Ugh. Uh, Black licorice? <laughs> no, nah, it's, it, it's a clear it, It's a clear liqueur. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, really it's more of an anise flavor than it is uh, licorice, but it's very similar to that. Okay. And it's, um, so you like you like Thanksgiving? That's good. I love Thanksgiving. I absolutely loved it. And I still do. Uh, now we've got a. Now that I'm back in St. Louis and and I've remarried, uh, my wife's uh, she's she's got two kids who live in town. Oh, great! Yeah, two adult children, and these guys uh, deep fry turkeys. And you like that? Oh, my gosh. I've heard it's good. I haven't had one. Oh, it is fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And so we, we would meet at one of the son's houses and uh, deep, fry the, uh, deep fry the turkeys, and everybody brings side dishes. And it's a, it's a real fun event. I really enjoy it. There uh, is, have, have you ever seen the movie Babette's Feast? Well, what's the movie again? Babette. Feast. No, I have not. I've heard of it. That would be a conversation worthwhile someday. Um, after you, after you've seen that movie, I, I was introduced to that in the late '90s by Dr. Tim Quill, yeah. who was then professor of liturgics and missions at Fort Wayne, and it's uh, this super pietist Danish community that doesn't enjoy anything, and then somebody, I think, wins a lotto or something like that and decides to put on a meal for the community. And at first, they're all uptight about it. Mm. But then, you know, you got a glass of wine, and you start to enjoy this and that, and all of a sudden, all these people who are super uptight are laughing and enjoying themselves. And, man, if, they, and that's a, if that isn't a foretaste, of heaven, I don't know what is. I think you're right about that. It's 
you know, God gave us these things to enjoy. These are first article gifts. Right. And not to enjoy his gifts is to reject him. Uh, and not, and not, if I may, not yes. just the, not just first article, not but to... also second and third. Because oh. heaven is a great, right, is a great heavenly feast. I mean, it's described as that. It's you're right. Union, it's you know, it's it's union with Christ and celebrating, and the the feast language comes out all through the scriptures, and we use it right. It becomes it's part of the language of worship. It's it is absolutely a first article thing, but it is also uh, it is absolutely also a second and third article thing. Now that I hadn't considered, but I see where you're coming from. That's absolutely true. Right? I mean, that's is, isn't isn't part of the joy of Thanksgiving when you're all around and you're eating and you're enjoying is, isn't, isn't it, you know, you, and in those moments, not always, but sometimes you forget about everything else that's going on and all the troubles and you just enjoy each other. Absolutely. That is a foretaste of the feast to come. Yeah. Everything is put aside. And it's like the, the name of the, uh, of the holiday Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, uh, even, you know, with Christmas or or with Easter, I think more the uh, the right hand kingdom. Sure. Uh, Thanksgiving, I think of all the wonderful blessings and gifts that I've been given here in this life. Yep. My family, my uh, wife's family, has a great tradition that we've taken on. Is they they take a little glass jar, they give everybody a little cup, and um, and there's a there's a a jar of hard uh, of popcorn. Or something like that, mm -hmm. and it gets passed around the table. Everybody, the youngest to the oldest, everybody, as they drop something in in the in the in the little glass jar, they say something that they're particularly thankful for. Ah, which I love. That's wonderful. wonderful. Isn't that a great little tradition? It is. I may suggest that this coming Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's a great it's a great little transition er, tra tradition, and it's so fun, especially when the kids are little, to get them to think about that. And it's fun as the kids get. I'll be curious this year when my college kids come home. You know, it's we, we Lutherans, unfortunately, and I think inaccurately, are sometimes referred, seen as kind of a dour, humorless people. Uh, and that is so untrue. I mean, we had, I went to a, uh, uh, we uh, had a Weight Watchers meeting here a couple of years back and our Weight Watcher instructor came in and, and she put on some music and she starts doing this aerobic routine. You know, that's a good way to lose weight. And somebody said, aha, you're doing this in a religious area now. And she just blanched. <laughs> we had to explain to her, you know, we're Lutherans, not Baptists. Right. We sing, we dance, we drink, we enjoy. Right. But uh, <laughs> I still remember that. She's just horrified. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it, it's there's so much fun to be had out there. And I think we're supposed to have fun. We're supposed to enjoy it. And we're supposed well, to remember who gives us the, these wonderful gifts. And And, you know, to go back... If I may, to where we started, please do. That can that can be Halloween too, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's to get dressed up and wear a silly costume and and laugh. That's not a that's not a bad thing. No, you know that 
that's a good thing. Even if you scare kids at the door. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, right. That and even scaring kids. If the kid is ready and is prepared. Yeah. Right. That can be a good thing. I mean, if kid, if you know, if you, you know, if you terrify the kid and he never wants to go out again, that's a different thing. But <laughs> yeah. it, but right, it, it's about it's about context. Oh yeah. But well, I could tell you, my high schoolers last year, you know, if they had run into your, they would have loved that. What your dad did, you know, mm-hmm. my ten year old would not. Uh, my little guy would would not have, but the older kids would have loved it. You know, so context. Yeah. Well, I'm sure some of those people, some of those kids who are now older adults, probably look back and remember that. <laughs> remember that guy? <laughs> yeah. Big voice. <laughs> I'm sure it's been emulated more than once. It may have it. I gosh, I still remember that. And mother was just so horrified by that. <laughs> I well, I can imagine. I I can imagine. I keep wondering where Dad came up with his idea. Well, when you got a voice like that, I think you probably learn early on that you can do things that other people can't. <laughs> <laughs> That was funny, and he was, he was probably the gentlest man I've ever known. But still, he, he well, had a sense that's, of humor. That's probably in your household, why it makes it so funny? Because Mr. Gentle Guy with the big voice and scaring people—that's yeah. <laughs> like the, true. You know, I have to admit, I've been tempted to try it a couple of times, but, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, you gosh. know that people that you mentioned the first article thing, yeah. And it's and if I may, the relationship to you know Christ and the redemption that we have in Him, you know, we are our our status as justified, forgiven, righteous, holy people. It, it has been restored in Christ, and we should therefore enjoy. The gifts that the gifts that God has given, whatever that may be, there's no reason why we we not only that why we why we can't, but we we should celebrate them. Oh, absolutely. Because I say, if you don't celebrate the gifts that are given, you're rejecting them. And I think that's probably a pretty good point. Uh. Yeah, you know, cel- celebrate those things. So I am I, I am too. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to that little tradition. And I'm I'm curious what my older kids. What they'll be thankful for. Yeah, wow. because you know we have a. I, I just, I'm just thinking of myself when I was a freshman. You know, and you know, when I was a freshman, I went to school 800 miles from home. Mm-hmm. And in that that fall, when I was in college, my family moved from Frankenmuth, Michigan, to Clinton, Mississippi. Ah. And. So when I was when I was home at Christmas that year, it was a totally different thing for me because I had an appreciation. I, I finally learned I, what I learned is I thought home, you know, was was Frankenmuth, and in a certain sense it was. But I discovered that where home was, home was where my family is. Absolutely, wherever that would be. And and that was uh, I will never forget it. I will never, never, ever forget it. How just how transformative that I realized home is. Home is where these people who love me are. Yeah, used to be. Uh, it's where when you go, they can't turn you away. 
You know, and it's true. I when my when my wife died, um, I <laughs> I was kind of beside myself. I guess is the best way to put it. Sure. Uh, but my brother and my two nephews were living out in New Mexico. I was in California. They were living out in New Mexico, and I just went to New Mexico. I just this is where I'm going to go. Until I get myself back together again and figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, and it was a it was a comforting thing to be around them. I I, I made a reference in uh, a parting blog, and uh, I, I was part of this blog thing in uh, California, among other things. And I, one of my parting messages was uh, that I was going back east, as we say in Cali speak. Uh, because I still had uh, family back there, and it was, it's comforting to know that the people who have my back also share my name. <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was. And then from there I went on to St. Louis, but I, I stayed there for a while, and it, it was good. And you're right, you know, it was... It was a healing time. I wouldn't say exactly it felt like home, but at that point I wasn't sure what home was. Yeah. But uh, that was, uh, it was something I desperately needed. And it was good that I had family that, would, that understood that. Well, and it, let, me draw, let me draw an analogy to church stuff. Okay. It's been interesting this week. I have, um, we have a retired couple. Uh, the husband it was a career Lutheran educator. Um, and his wife was a trained Lutheran educator who became a homemaker. And they moved here to Oconomowoc in retirement and absolutely threw themselves into the life of the community and were intricately involved in all different areas of parish life, um, leading, uh, leading a home Bible study, um, Marcus Panko led the the men's group. They did this and that, and you know then, um, and then Carolyn began to have some health trouble, mm. and so they really had to drop out of all the stuff that they had been active in. And this last week, uh, she fell and broke her hip, ouch, and had and her shoulder, and had surgery. And I was making, I was making shut-in visits and talking to other people, and all these people know them. And they're conversing with them and praying for them. And I, and I found myself at one of these, the visit I was at yesterday, thinking these people, right, these people have a, they have a huge family. Mm. They have this incredible network. They, they invested themselves in the life of the parish, and they have, they have a huge family, not just their biological kids that are around, but all these people that love and care for them. And so many people could have that, but, but, don't, in, but don't invest. And uh, to me, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, uh, it, was it was an affirmation of thankfulness for this wonderful couple. Um, Marcus and Carolyn Panko, who have been such great part, and you know, now we're in a difficult and challenging part of their lives. But 
an affirmation of what a wonderful thing a, a, a Christian community is. Yes. You can just see it rippling throughout our parish, these people that care for these people and love them and are wanting to check on them. And at the same time, a reminder for there are a lot of people who don't invest. And when they when something happens, there won't be a lot of people asking about them necessarily because they haven't they haven't invested. That's sad. And it is sad. Um, and and they're miss you know you're missing out on on the bigger family and the feast. And that is. Uh, that's too bad. It's a real, and it's a loss for the. It's a loss for the body of Christ. There's so many people that could have so much more and abundantly, but for whatever their reasons are, they choose not to participate, and that is deeply unfortunate. And it's kind of strange how many different people you might touch and not even realize it. We had. Um... One of our staffers died about a year or so ago, Mark Stevens. I don't think, I don't know if you ever had an occasion to talk. I didn't know Mark, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, Mark was uh, uh, a a broadcaster. He'd been in this this area off and on for like 40 years in the business. And uh, he, uh, broadcasting is a small fraternity. Everybody knows everybody in the biz. And when he died, there was a um, uh, uh, there was a wake that was held, or I don't know if it's a wake or a memorial service, and all of these broadcasters showed up for it. The guy who was uh, uh, who was uh, leading the thing said, "How many of you worked with or were taught by by Mark Stevens?" And all of these hands are raised, and you know there was a family there, and it's um, I, I'm not sure Mark realized just. Well, I think to an extent he did. I think to an extent he did. Now that I think about it, uh, but it's uh, it's such a good thing to to know and to feel that, to know that you're not alone. Right. And so, for your for your listeners, mm-hmm. you know, I would I would tell the listeners out there if you're if you're not actively a part of a of a Christian community, is give it a shot again. And, you know, don't just go on a Sunday, but if get to know people, right? Go to, go to Bible study. Uh, participate in acts of mercy that the congregation might do. And give it a shot as a family. And I think you will discover how rich and deep um, life in Christ can be in, you, in your, your family. Uh, will expand, and your life will be immeasurably blessed because of it. Now, doesn't the New Testament speak a lot about the Christian community being a family? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. And you know, I'm you know, Paul's and yeah, I was thinking specifically of Paul. And we were at a a faculty Bible study for my school here recently. And I had us just look at the end, the the ending of Paul's epistles, and all these, the personal names. You know, we're talking about what we're supposed to be about as a church and a school, and 
you know, you see at the end at the end of Romans, at the end of Galatians, you know, you see these these names mentioned: greet so and so, greet so and so. We we are we are built for relationships. You know, God Himself communicates right within within. We we are built to be loved and to love. And if you're not if you're not participating in that, you are missing out on, I think, really what it is to be a human being. Again, wasn't that something Luther addressed very specifically when he attacked the concept of pietism? When he attacked what? The concept of pietism. Well, pietism, I think, is later. But what are you, what are you thinking of? Talk. Well, Luther, I, Luther talks so much about engagement with the world, the idea of, the, of your vocation is being part of what God wants you to be, you have to be involved. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, where the, the, the Catholics were saying, eh, you know, you're, you're really nothing, you know. And Luther was saying, no, that's not true. You know, the, there is oh, a... The, yeah, it, the, if you're talking about the, in, in terms of the, to, the doctrine of vocation, that it's not just the priest or the nun that is in holy orders. Right. But that, but everything... Everything lawful done in faith is, in fact, uh, holy orders. That it, it's a holy thing to change a child's diaper, to yeah. take out the trash, um, to work at the mine. You know, all those all those things are, in fact, as they serve as they serve others, are in fact holy things. And that extended, I think, the idea of community. Uh, you know, where there, there would be the community of the priesthood, or the community of the of the convent. But this extended it, the idea that I am also doing God's will. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that, is, that, is a, that is a big deal. That, you, know, you, you don't just have to be a church worker uh, to be doing important godly things. And in fact, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty godly thing to be... A, to be in wealth management as a Christian, right? a, a, somebody managing other somebody else's money, uh, that can be, right, if a, a good wealth manager is not going to be interested in just trying to get themselves richer. They're, gonna, they're trying to help you make decisions that will be wise to build up, you know, a nest egg so you can be generous in the future. Um, well, Lance, we're entering the final 30 seconds of the yeah. program. Any last thoughts? In, enjoy the creation that is redeemed. Go have, go have some candy with the kids. <laughs> um, Deep fry that turkey. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and be, you know, and be, and be mindful that consciences, you know, that you don't violate someone's conscience on this stuff. You know, you don't. You, if you're not going to shove a beer in front of an alcoholic's face, don't. You know, be careful with your costume with somebody who's weirded out by that. I think that's just being a good neighbor. 
Well, thank you very much, Lance. I do appreciate your thoughts on this. We've had a good discussion, as always. Thank you. And I want to thank let our audience remind our audience that uh, today's guest was Lance O'Donnell of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Right, I want to give special thanks now to the Pastor Emeritus Fritz Bowie for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Lawn, and Honor as the theme song for Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Pastor Bowie's music and books are available on Amazon.com. been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with the pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.